In this episode, sales funnel expert Steve Larson reveals his core offer creation strategy and why having one in your business is critical to your success. I've spent the last five years learning from the most brilliant entrepreneurs today, and now I've left my nine to five to take the plunge and build a million dollar business. The real question is what does it take to become a successful entrepreneur and create financial freedom? This podcast is here to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share insights from world-class entrepreneurs to grow my online business and create a community of raving fans. My name is Brenda McCauley, and this is Growing Entrepreneur. Hey friends, welcome to the Growing Entrepreneur Podcast. We are honored to have Steve Larson, host of his podcast called Sales Funnel Radio on with us. For those of you who don't know, Steve actually came from very humble beginnings. He actually now mentors thousands of entrepreneurs on creating their own core offer and building effective sales funnels to build and bring their message to the marketplace. Steve, thank you so much, man. Great to have you on the show with us. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. Uh, so I'll tell you what, I've, I've heard your story a thousand times. I know what you're about, but for, for the new person, the new entrepreneur, the new coach that's really trying to jump from that nine to five into building their core offer, can you just maybe share some of your background, share some of your story? Like, how did you get into this? What are you about? Yeah, honestly, I got started doing this. Um, you know, I don't think many people grow up thinking like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, you know, I mean, not for a while anyway, my little girls aren't saying that, you know, at their age, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but I did like to sell stuff a lot and I sold a lot of things and, um, I enjoyed the process of sales and didn't quite know that I wasn't self-aware of that, but I kind of went through the self-discovery phase and, uh, realized like, my gosh, I want to actually just go sell products. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was in college when I really started trying to sell just, I don't know, on purpose, <laughs> you know, and actually make an entrepreneurial uh, life. And um, especially in the digital marketing space. And, and it took a long time though. It took a lot of tries. I went through 34 tries over five years. Mm-hmm. And um, half those tries, I didn't even know really what a sales funnel was. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't understand any internet marketing tactics. I thought all success was based on the product. And, you know, and so there was just a lot of, I had a lot of lessons to go through. So uh, I've, it's been a lot of fun. I ended up working for ClickFunnels for two years. Um, and uh, you were left- side by side with, with Russell and kind of like building all the sales funnels and all the rest of that. Right. So how, how was that? Like, how was that, how was that journey? How was that experience? Well, the first little bit, I mean, they, they, I applied to be a support person because I was like proximity is power. I'm in mm-hmm. college, you know, uh, if anything, let's just get close. So I was like, I'm going to go be a support guy. And what was interesting <laughs> is I didn't know that they were they were kind of scouting me. Um, I went and they're like, Hey, we got your application. You know, do you want to come interview with Russell? And I was like, for mm-hmm. support. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. I'm not going to say no to that, but it just seemed weird. So yeah. um, I drove in the middle of my finals of my final semester of college and mm-hmm. uh, drove over to Boise, Idaho and uh, sat down with Russell and for an hour and a half, he and I jammed. I mean, it was an hour and a half went by super fast. And finally his amazing assistant, Melanie had to break us up and tell me to go away. And mm-hmm. so it was on the, I was on the ride back. They called and they're like, do you want to be, do you want to help Russell build his funnels? And I was like, <laughs> I know this okay. goes against what? every negotiation tactic, but I would do that for free. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yes. what, what was that like? Like when you get that message that is like, holy shit, you know, like, was it surreal? Like how, how do you explain that? Cause I just do, that is so cool. Well, I mean, I, I, it was, 
I worked hard for it because I was building a lot of funnels for other people already by that point. Mm-hmm. And I was already a good funnel guy, but um, it was surreal. I mean, I, I lost my voice because I just screamed for basically five <laughs> hours. <away laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like everyone I could call and talk to, I was like, you're like, babe, you won't believe this. This was incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't put a poster of him up. Like I joked, ha ha ha, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, but no, it was really interesting. Cause he's, you know, he was one of the guys that was already changing my life, you know? And, <laughs> and while I was trying to get things to work and although nothing had exploded, I no longer mm. was like just that break even, like I was finally making money and, um, not tons, but it was, it was enough to like change our life. And so sitting down next to him, man, I mean, I think I didn't say a word for the first like two or three months. I was so nervous. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, how am I good enough to be in here? You know? And, well, and, and, I, and, I, and you know what, let me harp on that for one sec. Cause I think there's a lot of, you know, like I, my biggest focus is, is really that, that coach, that trainer, that speaker that's coming out of that nine to five yeah. into, into their own, into the, Hey, I want to be an influencer. I want to be out on social media. I want to, I want to be that voice of reason. I want to be the person that helps change lives, but a lot of them do develop kind of like that imposter syndrome. So sure. what, what did you do to kind of like get over that hump? Well, I didn't know it was imposter syndrome. I don't know. I didn't know what that was at that time, Okay, but I definitely had it. And what helps get past it is definitely small wins, you know? So I would build something and he'd be like, Oh, sweet. Or you figured that out or whatever. And you know, competence increases confidence. I can't mm-hmm. remember where I learned that, but I've heard that. Um, and so just become competent. And I never set out to grow a following and be an influencer, quote unquote. But I did, I was like, I'm just going to get really, really, really good at funnels. <laughs> and uh, that was my only intent. And um, so it was just small wins that frankly got me through it. And then after a while, I started realizing that I wasn't, oh my gosh, like, I think I'd like to talk on stage. And I mm-hmm. begged to be the guy that goes on stages when Russell couldn't and started getting my stage voice and stage legs. And, um, well, didn't he, like, didn't he just throw you on stage and just say like, you're, like, you're going to go do this. I asked for it, but okay. it wasn't, it was after he asked me to introduce him on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was freaked out. I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was in high school. They were like congratulating me that they could hear me when I was graduating. Like I was so, I wasn't shy. I just had no confidence and, and no confidence in sharing my opinions. So when he said publish, I was like, no, I'm not a chance when I go, uh-huh. not happening. And so I started that sales phone radio show, which has been closed now. But, um, but sales phone radio though was started. I started that show probably three or four months into working for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know how to use it as a marketing asset back then. I was just doing it because Russell said to, but really I was, I felt like it was teaching me my voice for the first hundred episodes. <laughs> well, and so, and how did that feel? Cause like, you know, I'm, and just in part of the book I'm writing right now, like my biggest thing is, you know, create a podcast, right? So Russell talks about it. Obviously you've been doing it. You've launched one, two, maybe even a couple of them. And I think the podcast can be such, such a huge transformation in your business because it's, you know, now you get to kind of become that influencer, become, you become that conduit to a lot of other people that maybe they couldn't have connected with in the first place. So you're finding your voice. What would you say to the person that's kind of like teetering back and forth? Like, should I start one? I'm not confident in it. Like, how do you make that transition? (laughs) You know, what's funny is, is I remember the first episode I put out ever. I'm on my fourth show now. And, uh, what's what, sorry, what, what was that called? What's your fourth show? Oh, the fourth show is called launch for profit. Launch for, okay, got it. And um, 
you know, and I've certainly gotten much better and found my voice and all that stuff. But <laughs> that first, very first episode ever, I remember I published that thing and I put it out there. <laughs> And I spent time posting about it on Facebook and I uh -huh. went and I told friends and family and all stuff. And I remember there were 40 downloads and I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, to, to, to bring that point though, like <laughs> when someone's like, I don't have my voice and you're brand new, no one's following you anyway. <laughs> you know just, I mean? like, just learn as you go. You've got the room to suck, and, and that's okay. And you just kind mm -hmm. of embrace that. And uh, I remember, though, it was probably around episode 60-ish, 60 or 70. Mm -hmm. um, I, I felt me find my voice start to around episode 20. And then 30, definitely. And then 40, 50. I remember episode 60-ish. That's when I walked into Russell's office. This is when we were in the new building. Yeah. And I was like, dude. I was listening to this other guy, this other guru, and he's like, hey, you should get rid of your non-performing content. I'm thinking I'm going to go delete the first like 20 episodes of my show. And Russell was like, no! Like, you know I mean, I've never, <laughs> I was like, Whoa! like he's not, he's not a yeller. And he's mm -hmm. like, no! I mean, he almost cracked his neck. He turned so fast to me. I was like, huh. He goes, that's how they knew you were human once. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. You know, and so when someone thinks that they have to, they got to find their voice, you know, that that's really the, I, I asked him multiple times, how do you find your voice? And he said, if all the, he would tell me multiple times of all the things I can teach you, that is the mm -hmm. one I can't teach you. You have to learn that on your own. So, okay. So, all right, let's, let's, let's harp on that for a second. Finding your voice. What, what does that mean? Well, I don't really know how to describe it other than like, and you, you know, when it happens too, cause it was probably the 30th episode. And I was like, okay, I feel like I've got confidence in my voice. I'm no longer reading the episodes, but I was so apologetic over my opinions and so it wasn't until about episode 120, something happened, man. I don't know what, but I stopped apologizing for my opinions. And you can- It was, it was your authentic self. Yeah. And, and, and it's not that I, I thought that there was a piece of me that thought that if I, if I wasn't apologetic, I'd come across mm -hmm. as a jerk for my opinions or- so it was very much like, and you can hear me, man. I like apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry to say this, but you know, uh -huh. and then I stopped that crap. And, um, I don't know. There was, it was around 120s that I started becoming unapologetic. And it's probably not until like episode 180 that I really started using podcasting as like an actual marketing tool. Okay. So how you, you start from total zero, brand new scratch, just yeah. get your ass out there, start doing it. Now you're yeah. at episode 180. Where does, where does capitalist pig come into that? Like what's, where's that transition? It was probably around 180 ish. Okay. So 180, you hit your stride, you're hitting capitalist pig. What was the thought behind? And the, the reason I'm asking this is because you talk all about your core offer, right? Like so the, yeah. what you come out with, what you present, how you present value. So you hit 180, you got capitalist pig. Explain that transition. And like, what made you say, okay, this is my voice. This is what I want to bring. This is my yeah. core offer. This is what I want to give to my audience. Can you, can you kind of like blow that up a little bit? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting because, um, I didn't like, one of the reasons I felt confident leaving ClickFunnels is because I did develop some of my own sales creation framework. Mm -hmm. And it was while I was on Russell's stages and I spent so much time coaching hundreds of these new entrepreneurs right. that I started finding these faster little tricks here or there based on their different scenarios. And so when I left, I was like, okay, I have a little bit of my own framework that I can go be successful with. 
And it's under my own framework that I actually started getting sales when right. I left my job. And mm -hmm. so when episode 180 came along, all that had happened was an expansion and continuing to dive into my sales framework, which now is 12 steps. Back then it was like one, <laughs> you okay. know, one or two, it wasn't much. Um, so safe and, to say uh, it's grown as you've gone. Yeah. And now I feel like I've completed it. And there's the, the places that are weak, um, that's actually why I launched the most recent show was so that I'd have a platform to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, so if your platform right now for your podcast, is that, is that taking like, what's the premise and kind of like, if, can you take me along that customer journey? Because you're telling me that you're able to monetize your podcast. Right. And, yeah. and a lot of people say, well, why should I start it? Like, how do I monetize it? And like, I've had guys on the past to say, well, you can monetize on the front end. You can monetize on the back end. Like, can you, can you kind of give some insight? Like, what is your strategy and how do you bring that into your core offer? So it's worth your time to hop on for an hour for free or 20 minutes for free and then really build that into what you've got going. Yeah. So, um, I started, um, you know, you'll find out the further you get down this game, the more of it's about listening to the marketplace instead of mm -hmm. being a genius. And so the further you get down and that, that's all I did is I was like, okay, everyone is asking me these same like 10 questions mm -hmm. and these three specifically. Um, and there's a lot of money if I was to solve that problem. And so that's why I started becoming like the offer guy a little bit more. Cause I was like, man, like so many new people, they got mm -hmm. a good thing. They don't know how to take their thing and turn it into an offer on the internet. I was like, I'm going to go be that guy. And, um, okay. So you basically went straight to where the problem was, created a solution and presented that. Yeah. And, and funny enough, the framework I had been working on already for a year and a half by that point was, mm -hmm. was the answer. And so all I was trying to do is match what I had became good at with the dream customer who would want to purchase it. Got it. Okay. So you're, you're creating this offer when you talk about your dream customer, cause I, and I think even part of it is just like defining what is my, like, what am I about? What does my customer look like? What does my brand want to come across? Um, how do you really, how do you pick that, that dream customer? And then once you've got that dream customer, can you maybe kind of hint to like that dream 100 and how you make that transition so yeah. you can really get that leverage? Like that's just kind of what that, that flow looks like. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting when I was, um, I think the biggest first thing for people to realize is that a, a dream customer is not a market. Um, you know, in college, they would always ask like, especially in my entrepreneurship classes, they'd be like, who's your target market? That's not even a complete sentence. Um, Cause a market is not a person. It's a location. Mm -hmm. It's like when I get up in the morning, you know, and I got my little girls and we're like, let's, I don't know, let's, let's go to the farmer's market. <laughs> I don't know. We get up and we go to the market because I'm not the market. I'm a person attending a market. And when you mm -hmm. separate those two out, the game gets a lot easier. And so the first thing that I go do is I figure out, okay, here, here is the dream customer. And then I need to figure out where they're already going. Whether that's an online location, whether it's physical, it doesn't matter, but they're going somewhere to exchange. And so sure. when I'm coming up with my dream customer, it's, it's always someone who's already in motion. They're already actively participating in a marketplace they're purchasing, they're consuming content in that area. Um, and then I also make sure that they're attending a market that's big. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad and I used to, um, he still does. I didn't, you know, one of the first big investments I made to go try and make money was with actually the stock market. Okay. How'd they go? We, we did the Robert Kiyosaki $30,000, you know, uh, training courses. And 
and it was good. It was really good. Um, he continued on and my dad's been successful with it. And it's been awesome. That's I awesome. got distracted. I stopped or whatever, but years went by and, and he was like, we talked about it again. I was like, how's that going? And he goes, good, but I'm no longer trading the New York stock exchange. Okay. I was like, oh really? How come? He's like the New York stock exchange trades like, like $6 billion a day. I was like, okay, like, that's, wow. that's awesome. He's like, I don't do that anymore. And I was like, okay, how come? He's like, I do Forex. He said, I do Forex because Forex trades trillions of dollars a day. Jesus. He said, I don't need to be, this is like a key moment for me. He said, I don't need to be as good in order to make as much money because the pie is so much larger. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, slice, even if it's a smaller percentage, it's still just as a grand hole. It's just so much larger. There's, there's more room for error because st- the numbers are so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And so what I started realizing is that the way I actually choose markets, I need to make sure that my dream customer is attending a massive, ridiculously competitive red ocean. Mm-hmm. And that is opposite than what most people tell you to go do when you're making an offer. Like, oh, it's really competitive. Good. <laughs> it needs to be massive, massive, so ridiculously cutthroat. It actually mm-hmm. represents security. The whole Because there's so many people in there that are... Yeah and, hab- yeah, and habits are really expensive to change. And so since they're in the habit of that, and you got this market place, which is a location, and all these people are already going to it, mm-hmm. it's way easier to learn how to sell and drop unperfect messages into a busy place than mm-hmm. go to a place where almost nobody is and drop perfect messages. And so this whole red ocean, blue ocean thing is cool, but man, you got to make an ocean. That means you got to change people's behaviors. I mean, that's not a normal, it, that is really hard to do. I would rather make a blue offer in a red ocean than a mm-hmm. blue ocean. And uh, well, that's been one of the biggest keys. And cause you, I, and I've watched some of your trains before. So you've talked about blue ocean, red ocean, purple ocean, right? So like red ocean, everybody's in there, blue ocean, totally brand new, horrible idea. And then purple ocean, you take some of the great ideas that have already been implemented implement some of your own and then increase like a bunch of bonuses and values and everything else you can throw on top of that. So that way you kind of got like that mix of the two. So do you, do you still kind of like integrate that into new pieces that you're doing now or has that like transitioned a little bit? Transition a little bit, but some people think of it as purple in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the blue is inside of the red and, and I still believe that, you know, I had a, um, had a guy that, I was talking with a guy. Have you seen the snow teeth whitening? No, no. Um, I'll look it up though. <laughs> he made this massive brand, right? And okay. I had a chance to talk with him and uh, at this mastermind. And uh, someone asked him like, why did you go for teeth whitening mm-hmm. <laughs> of all things? And he goes, because it was a sleepy, tired market. Mm-hmm. They were begging for something that was new. Um, but people are already sold on the fact that they want to have white teeth. It's like, so, and he's the only other guy I've ever heard ever also say the key is to create a blue in a red. Um, Interesting. That's so much easier to go do than to create a market. I mean, you think about the, how much it's taken Russell Brunson to go create what he's created. The guy created well, a and how, he, how many years did he start again? Like how many years ago did he start that? I mean, Eight, 10? CookFunnels only been around for like five, six years, but he was already in the game for 13 prior wow. to, I mean, Okay. That's, and then they got 400 employees. They got a hundred thousand users. I mean, I got there, there were 30 employees mm-hmm. and 12,000 users, you know, it was right before this massive hockey stick thing that, that I got there. But yeah. it's just fascinating to see like what it takes to make an ocean. 
mm-hmm. not saying it's not worth it, but yeah, but that's okay. So there's, there's time, times. there's effort to put in like all the rest of this. And, yeah. and, and I think even last time when we had talked, like you mentioned when you first started off, like you had a couple core offers and now you've really, you've limited it to two, right? You've got like two main core offers you focus on. Yeah, I've got like, um, and we're still turning them all back on, but I, a little while ago, I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these things we once had launched that aren't still running just because we never took the time to evergreen them. Mm-hmm. So we shut down a lot of stuff. And right now I'm just, I'm turning them all back on in evergreen fashion. So yeah, yeah less can totally be more. Okay. And you know, so funny, like, you ever, uh, you ever check out Stefan James, Project Life Mastery? You ever heard of him? I recognize the name. Okay. So anyway, I was like, I was watching a video of his and, uh, and he was mentioning like when he first started to do, like he would throw out like so many offers. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And now, I mean, the guy's been in the game for like 10 years. I mean, he probably makes like 200 K a month, whatever. And he, he went into a video specifically talking about how he's really scaled this down and it's not so, you know, just like crazy out there. And he's really picked like his, his key market, his key niche. And I think, you know, probably the question that a lot of the listeners are having right now is, okay, I'm just starting off. Like if I want to make that transition, I really want to get into it. How do I, how do I establish that core offer that is my main thing? Like, is there, is there a specific thing in particular that really helps you kind of like determine your core offer and and bring that to the marketplace? Are there any like tip strategies or techniques? It's hard, man. There's not really a clear answer on that because some things in this game you can design other things you have to discover. Okay. So I mean, I've launched a lot of funnels in the last two and a half years and it's um, some of it was in the trap of just launching for the sake of it. Cause I enjoy the process. Okay. Some of it though, I would launch it and I was like, Oh, I think this is going to be the thing that I want. You know what? I actually don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? Okay. And, uh, and so how, how, it, how long did it take for you to like, be like, okay, this is probably not the way I want to go. Was that like immediate? Was that like three weeks in? Like, what did that look like? I mean, it's different for every one of them, but I wanted to become the offer guy um, okay. probably about a year and a half in. So about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but I'd say that even in the last like three months, man, I've just recently decided, I'm like, you know what? I don't know that I want to be the offer guy alone because being the offer guy means you attract those who don't have one. I am actually better at making existing companies explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so now I've transitioned into being the offer launch guy, which assumes that you have an offer just by being that. So, yeah. um, and so it's kind of this, this thing I got, you know, Russell and I'll hang out at his house every once in a while and probably, I don't know, two months ago, I was over there and we were talking about this very concept. And I was like, dude, you know, every once in a while I have some little guilt that I left. And, and, and I said, sorry, I left. And he looks at me, he started laughing. And he goes, he goes, dude, he said, you're too good to have stayed. I was like, oh, I appreciate it. He goes like, come on. I was like, I'm trying to find my click funnels. And he goes, you and I both know you're going to. And I said, I know, but I wish I could just find it faster. And he's like, dude, I spent 10 freaking years in the info product space before I found my click funnels. Like just enjoy the process. He said, you've already skipped like a decade. I was like, all right. Well, it, <laughs> so it's just you're, like you're thir- enjoy how old the you, process thir- is a big deal, you know? You're 30 what? 33, 32? Two. Okay. So we're the same exact age, dude. Like the things that you've been able to accomplish, and it's so funny, man. I, I kid you not. I was having the same conversation with a, a good buddy of mine. When you're in the middle of the race, and you'll probably totally agree with this, you don't realize... I think how far you've truly come with all the steps you've taken with like how much influence you've built with how many people you've helped. 
And then when you really have like those close people, those close friends that are, are just the ones that you can really trust and rely on, that'll give you their honest opinion. They'll stand back and be like, dude, you were fucking crushing this. Like, look <laughs> at all the things you've done. Like you're a bright guy. You're smart. You're on top of it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, and I'll just say, man, like, congratulations, seriously. Like you've, sure. you've done so many things to come from such a humble beginning. And I think guys, for anyone that's listening to this, go back and watch interviews that Steven's done previously. Cause he goes in through like his whole background and to go from literally having nothing to asking your dad to like help you with money. And then he said no to now the fact that, you know, you like, you want to create your own click funnels and you're working side by side and you're helping two comic club winners. That expansion dude is like, that's the journey, man. Like that is awesome. Yeah. So congrats, huge congrats on that. Oh, thanks man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's really cool. So, and, and, and kind of like my last question, there's, there's a few people that, you know, Hey, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. So for the person that says like, I don't have the money, can you still, if you create your core offer, can you be valuable in the marketplace? Yes or no? Yes. Because value is not determined by cash. All right. So right. break down value, break down cash, break down price. Yeah, sure. So it's a price cost and value are very different things. And it's, this is one of the reasons why I got Russell's attention so early. I was, I mean, I, I didn't, I would say, I don't say I was broke, but I was not making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to get his attention for one of the first funnels I ever built and it was working. And it was, I remember he responded and I was like in college and I was like, Oh my gosh, Russell Brunson responded. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, and then I kept trying to like, what would you do here? What would you do here? And he, you know, he never responded, which is fine. He's the CEO of ClickFunnels already by then, you know? Sure. And, um, and he goes, uh, so I, I realized like, if I'm going to get the attention of this guy, like I need to, I either get his attention directly mm -hmm. or I can get the attention of his following and his following will deliver me to him. And so what I did is I was like, well, I could become valuable by basically acting like a support agent. So I hired myself as a support agent of ClickFunnels for free mm -hmm. while I was in college. And I spent about two hours a day answering questions in the ClickFunnels community. They didn't ask me to do that. And I would just read docs and answer questions. And I did that for, you know, the first, I did that for probably nine months. And that's why I knew it so well when I got in there. <laughs> and uh, that's why they knew who I was when I went to my first event as well, which I didn't know that. Um, they they're like, oh my gosh, you're that kid. And I was like, oh, I guess. And um and so you can become valuable without having cash. Marketplaces don't require, it certainly helps. Money's way faster than time, but if you don't have money, you got to spend time. So price is what you charge. Cost is how much it costs you to get the customer and fulfill. Value is nothing more than a function of usefulness, like utility. And so when you go and you create a value you're just being useful. And so that, that's all you're doing. And it's not useful in your eyes. It's useful in the, in the, in the receiver's eyes. Um, so that, that literally is how you solve that problem. So you, it's not, you don't have to have cash. That's the reason why I'm such a huge fan of bootstrapping mm -hmm. is not that, you know, some companies do need VC funding and all stuff, but 99% do not. And they're, they're kidding themselves. Yeah. And I, I think you even mentioned like when, when we had talked last time, like you, you haven't taken any loans. I mean, just the fact that you, you're working on like building, new building, like, you know, you're considering taking a loan for that. But other than that, I mean, it's been purely on your own efforts, creating yeah. your own products, your own programs and everything else. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I took so, a, I took a, a TI loan for a studio we built, you know, that's all I've taken though. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I think for that new person that's really starting off, if you, if you come from 
a true place of like, I just, I want to give, I want to serve. And you really find like what your voice is as you go, as you go along, like you start just like you do. I mean, it took you 180 episodes <laughs> to, to really hit that. Right. So, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I probably say just the biggest message, the biggest key takeaway is if, if you're in the middle of doing this, don't get discouraged if you're 10 episodes in, if you're 15 episodes in, if you're just getting your stuff on social media and like, oh my God, this is not working. I mean, yeah. dude, you've spent years in this and like that transition you made has been over a year, you know, years and years period. And yeah. then eventually you, you got it, right? Yeah. Um, so do you, do you have any like other last little minute gold nugget takeaways for the person that's maybe still like, okay, maybe I think I can do this, but I'm not like quite sure. Yeah. I've got to head out here, but the, I mean, honestly, just don't look at the clock. Don't compare yourself to the clock or anyone else. And it, it, literally it's you against you and you against yesterday. That's how I think about it. Cause otherwise, I mean, you start judging the speed that you're moving. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like judging a, a one-year-old for learning how to walk. It's like, it's dumb. You're, you know, you're a baby in this. Mm -hmm. And so don't, don't judge yourself and uh, just, yeah, you against you. That's really what it is. Awesome. Dude, Steven, thank you so much. Uh, guys, I'll make sure I put all of his details in the show notes. You guys can check out Steven Larson, his new podcast, everything else is going on. Steven, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. Hey, you're the man, brother. This has been fantastic. Thanks for Absolutely. having me. Absolutely. Bye. Hey, it's Brendan, and thank you so much for listening to the Growing Entrepreneur Podcast. Look, if you enjoyed this episode and want more content just like this, do me a favor, hit the like and the subscribe button. That way I can create consistent content on a daily basis focused on what's important to you. Uh, also, leave a comment. I'll make sure to get back to it as soon as possible. I will see you on the next episode.